So, so what do you think of the moves your, your former teams have made here? First with the Yankees, Aaron Judge bet on himself. Got himself an extra $150 million, Jim. I mean, this is crazy, is it not? Yeah, as a former player, you would love to see this kind of stuff happen. You'd love to see the guy that, you know, like you said, puts, puts bets on himself and it ends up working out well and to a point where, uh, you know, the Yankees at $36 million say, wow, we, should, we missed the boat on that one. We really, really got him a lot cheaper. Um, but no, I, it, it's great to see and hear listeners. So it was one of the things I went down to the winter meetings on Monday, and you know everybody was trying to say, "Oh, he's not coming back. He's going to the Giants." I'm like, guys, he's never going to leave. I go, first of all, he doesn't have uh, what's the guy's name? What's the agent? Uh, Boris. Boris. Yeah, he doesn't have Scott. He doesn't have Scott Boris, so he's not chasing the money. And the bottom line for this guy is, his agents are from his hometown in Thousand Oaks. Um, and they know, they know, and they knew that by re-signing with the Yankees, you put the C on your, 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 your uniform eventually, and you pretty much have yourself a red carpet ride into the, the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, it, it just, it just, to me, was a no-brainer that this guy, no matter what, he wanted to test it, he wanted to taste the free agency. He wanted to see what it was like, but in no way did I ever think this guy was going to leave the Yankees. Uh, not to sound naive, being a New Yorker myself, but but is it, does it make a difference being a New York Yankee? Honestly, a thousand percent. Why a thousand percent? Because here's what I say, Michael. The, the bottom line is, if Judge signs a new contract, it's not going to be more than a few million dollars here or there. It's not like the the Robinson Cano contract was a hundred million dollar difference, and that's why he went to Seattle. This is this is going to be maybe a few million here and there. But the bottom line was if he would get hurt in the first two or three years of this contract and he was a San Francisco giant, he walks away from the game like nobody. No Hall of Fame, no nothing. By being a Yankee, by re-signing with the Yankees, by becoming the captain, even if he does get hurt in the next year or two or three years uh, to a point where he can't play, he's still going to be considered one of the greatest Yankees to ever play. And he, that that record of 62 home runs is not going to be taken away. Um, I, I just think it was, to me, that's how I would have looked at it had I been Aaron Judge, had I been his agent, to say, listen, that money, guaranteed whether he's a Giant, whether he's a Yankee, but the legacy that he leaves the game will be much greater if he maintains being a Yankee than he does going somewhere else. You have some legacy in the, for the New York Yankees, a uh, couple of big postseason home runs. One, I was at in 1995 in that extra inning game against Seattle. 15th inning, I believe it was, in that home run to, to right field. And, of course, uh, the game four home run off of Mark Wohlers. H- how did those home runs change your life? Well, you know, my point, you know, I still go to Yankee Stadium. I still spend the summers up in New York. You know, I work the suites. I do a lot of their corporate outings and corporate events and things like that. And it's funny because every one of the t- every time I do these sweet appearances or these outings, you know, people go, "Don't you ever get tired of this?" And I, the way I explain it to them, like, is, "Listen, at 26 years old, when I put my name on the dotted line of my first Yankee contract, if you would have told me at age 60 they're still going to pay me to come back and do appearances and be part of the organization and be part of this family, I would have said, "Where do I sign?" Right away. 
just the difference of being a Yankee versus anything else. And, you know, it's just, I, I'm very blessed, very lucky that I was able to have the postseason uh, and, and the contributions that I could make uh, in the postseason to the Yankees. And, of course, the 1996 being the most important one because that basically started the dynasty of the late 90s, but also saved Joe Torrey's job, saved Mariano Rivera from being traded in night, before the 1998 season because Steinbrenner was upset that they lost the way they did in 97. Had we lost in 96, had they lost that way in 97, Joe Torrey doesn't have a job, and Mariano Rivera gets traded. That is why that home run and that 96 championship was so important to the history of the New York Yankees. Uh, you, you talk about that. You guys in 96 had a big lead, and, and I believe it was dwindled down to two and a half games uh, yeah. against the Orioles. And, boy, Steinbrenner was breathing down Joe Torrey's back that he he was going to be fired at that time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know, what happened was in 1997, Gene Michael told me the story was, you know, Mariano gave up the home run to Alomar. They lost the series. And George came steaming into Gene Michael's office and said, this is, this is bull crap. This is crazy. I'm sure he used other words, but this is crazy. He said, I want Tory gone and we, we need to trade Rivera. He's horrible. And G. Michael said, really, George? Do you not remember winning the World Series last year? And, and, and G. Michael said, Mr. Steinbrenner said to him, I'll give him one more year and that's it. And then, of course, they have that magical run in 1998. So that's, that's why that 96 championship and that 96 uh, home run was so important to the Yankee history because it kept that team together. You know, I, I always said it this, you know, when you see the Derek Jeter days, the Paul O'Neill days, the Bernie Williams days, none of those, none of those happened unless that 96 team wins. Jim, I only got a, a, like a minute and a half left, and I'd like to talk about George Steinbrenner a little bit because I don't think the, the young fans today appreciate George. So if you can hang on, and we'll just talk a, a little a little longer here for the next minute or so, and then we'll take it into the next break. Does that work for you? Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. Well, t- tell me your thoughts about the Padres. Talk about their organization and, and how they're players. Because back in the nineties, uh, you you played for a pretty talented team that went to the world that went to the World Series in ninety eight uh, with that team. Well, and that's, and that's another thing I talk about a lot in my public speaking is I talk about being part of the Yankee history like I am, but also being a part of that ninety eight Padre team that in September was not getting approval for the new Petco Park. When they were going to take the vote, the, 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 all the surveys said they're not going to get approval. And then we went on that run in, in October, getting to the World Series, and the entire city of San Diego just got right behind us. I think we averaged like 66,000 people a night in the stadium. And because of all that excitement, because of you know, the run that we got to the World Series against the Yankees, the city of San Diego voted in November for the approval of Petco Park. And again, to be part of that history uh, as a kid that was never drafted, as somebody that was never a prospect, it's pretty cool to be part of those two different organizations' history of, of the way things are now. Uh, Jimmy Larritz, former Yankee, former Padre, uh, a Yankee hero, 95 home run against the Mariners game two. Of course, the World Series home run game four is going to stick with us through the break. Talk a little about George Steinbrenner, what he was really like, and... The I guess the 
the fans seething at their his son for not spending the money, not making the moves. I'm sure you got some great George Steinbrenner stories to tell us. Uh, Mike Demergis filling in for Mike Carver, Joe Lucy coming back on the other side of Sports Grid Radio. It's been a blast for your entire life. Welcome to your home for talking sports. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Mike Demergis sitting in for Mike Carver and Joe Lisi. Uh, our special guest, Jimmy Laritz, former Yankee, former Padre, uh, hero with the Yankees in 95-96, sharing some great stories going down memory lane a little bit, talking about the Yankees' moves with Aaron Judge. Uh, and I, I think it's relevant today to talk about George Steinbrenner and how the fan rage is going towards uh, his son, Hal, that he's not spending the money the way George is. I'm sure you got some interesting stories. You had the one about that Tory was going to be fired if the Yankees lost the lead to the Orioles in 1996. Uh, what, what other stories do you have about George Steinbrenner that you could share? Well, listen, I got some really, really good ones. There, a lot of people didn't understand how great of a person George was. Number one, too, how loyal he was. Um, in 1996, you know, I hit the home run. Uh, we go into the offseason. My agents have a meeting with George and say, hey, listen, Hasn't Lyra's proven enough now to get a chance to play every day? And George said, let me check with Tori. Let me check with, you know, uh, at the time it was Bob Watson. Um, let me check with these guys and see what they think. And he came back to my agency and said, no, they're going to sign Girardi. And they're going to probably give Posada, and he'll probably be in the same kind of role that he was in last year. And George said, you know what? He deserves a chance to go anywhere else. If, if, you know, he, was, and he was really good friends with my agent, Tom Rich. Uh, and he told Tom, he said, if you can find a better place for him and he gets a chance to play every day, I'll let him go. And sure enough, I was in Tampa in January working out at the minor league complex, and I got called off the field. I came into the locker room, and I took a phone call, and it was my agent. And he said, hey, listen, he said, George is in his office. Uh, we just did a deal. you got a three-year deal. You're going to the Anaheim Angels. You're going to be the starting catcher for the Anaheim Angels. And George allowed us to do that. And so I was elated. It was my first three-year contract. I had been playing on a one-year contract the first seven years in the major league. So I packed up my bag, and I walked into his office, and I put my bag down, and I said, George, I said, Mr. Steinberg, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for this opportunity. I really didn't want to go, but if I don't, you know, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to go somewhere else and play every day. I will never forget you. I said, Jimmy? He said, you will always be a Yankee. And then he looked at my bag and he goes, what are you doing with that bag? So, well, I'm not a Yankee anymore, so I, I'm not allowed to work out here. He said, go unpack your bag, son. You will always be a Yankee and you will forever be a Yankee. And that, to me, was Mr. Steinbrenner's loyalty, knowing I was going to play somewhere else, knowing that, it, but yet he was going to allow me to work out at the minor league complex until I went to spring training. That was pretty special. Um, that was you know, the special guy that Mr. Steinbrenner was. And him and I always had a great relationship. Um, I, I always told, I always joked with him. I said, you know, Mr. Steinbrenner, I said, there's one of the things, there's one of the reasons why I love you. And he's like, yeah, you can always wonder why you like me so much. I said, because you're just like my father. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, my dad was a cross between Woody Hayes and Bobby Knight. <laughs> and you're just like that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, George, you know, loved football, and he thought he could bring that football mentality to baseball. And, and his, I remember Reggie talking about 
George back in the day, and this is 2010 in an interview with Ed Randall, Reggie, and of course Reggie Jackson said that, I don't think today's players understood the, the wrath of Steinbrenner back in the day. Now, you kind of had him a little bit, but that was 20 years after 1977 with the, the Billy, the Reggie, the Thurman, the, and, and, and the likes like that. But he, right. George could be explosive and impulsive at times. Well, listen, the, re- the only reason I got caught up, Mike, is because Mr. Steinbrenner was sitting with a, one of our minor league coordinators in Detroit with a guy named George Bradley, who used to be our minor league develop, uh, in charge of development. And Mike Flowers was playing third base, and he made four errors in one game. And he looked at George Bradley, and he said, you need to tell me we don't have something better in the organization than this? And George Bradley said, well, we got this young kid, Jim Larry, at the AAA. He switched from catching to playing third base, and he's doing pretty well down there in Columbus. He said, get up here immediately. And two days later, well, I should say, first they fired Bucky Dent, and then two days later, I got caught up to the big leagues. And, and, and you were part of that resurgence of the Yankees with, with, with Bernie Williams, yourself, and you had some good years. And, and in 94, Yankees had the best record in the American League, and I, I believe you had 17 home runs up, up to the break, 14 home runs, something like that. Before, right before the strike, yeah. yeah. That, that, was a, uh, that, that was a big year. Yeah, it was really interesting because when I got caught up in 1990, Mike, uh, Gene Michael brought me into his office and said, listen, Mr. Steinbrenner is suspended right now. We have an opportunity to, pit, to start giving you some kids a chance down on the farm. If you get off to a good start, you're going to open the door for a lot of your buddies. And I got off to a good start. Then they brought up Kevin Moss. And he got off to an even better start. And all those things just started happening. Bernie Williams came along. And then, you know, we started building from within. And that was really, truly the beginning of the resurgence. And then we get to 94 when we have you know, Buck Showalter, our manager, Don Mattingly, you know, we, we have a great ball club and Mike Stanley and, you know, and I were sharing catching duties and I think he had 19 home runs. I had 17 and to have two catchers with 36 home runs between them. Uh, we probably had the best catching staff that there was in Major League Baseball at the time. Uh, and then, of course, the strike ruined everything. But uh, it, it was just an opportunity that uh, in 93 and 94, I was finally getting the opportunities that I was begging for, the only because of injuries. Uh, you know, Don Mattingly's back started acting up on him, and I started playing first base more. Uh, Mike Stanley got hurt for a period of time, and I was catching for three straight weeks. So for me, it was all of this talk that I had in 1990, 91, and 92 that played me, and I'll show you what I can do. I was finally getting that opportunity in 94, 95, or 93 and 94, and to put those two years together at 500 at bat, I would have had 31 home runs and 100 and something RBIs. So the, the, the media was finally saying, Laris is finally backing up his bravado. And, uh, you know, that, that's what kept me a Yankee uh, all the way up through 1996. And in 95, of course, the great series against the Mariners. And that changed history in a lot of ways. Number one. If Showalter and the Yankees win that game, he doesn't get fired. Number two, it saved baseball in Seattle as well. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name. I paused something. I can't remember his name, but I've got the book on my my stand somewhere. But it's the day that baseball was saved in Seattle, and it was that series uh, that we had with the Mariners that year. Um, and again, to be part of something like that is, is, is the bad side of it, but it's the good side of it for Seattle. But it really gave us a taste. Um, you know, what we, we felt like we accomplished something because 
we got Don Mattingly to the playoffs, which he had never done. But then we also lost. And we were like, okay, you know what? We're not going to let that happen again. And sure enough, in 96, we come back, and we do take it all the way to the house. And, and what a season that was uh, for the Yankees the next year, 96, winning the World Series against tremendous odds to come back and, and win that series. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Jim. All right? Yeah. Uh, Aaron Judge, 62 home runs. Is he the single-season home run record in your eyes or retired baseball nope. player? He is not. You you still look at Barry Bonds as a home run king? Yep. I think Aaron Judge is the American League Barry Bonds is still the Major League Baseball, and I think, you know, you just it, it's something that, you know, unless you played the game, unless you've been in there, unless you played during that era, which, again, I always say I laugh sometimes when they call it the era. You know, it's steroids and all that stuff has been in baseball since the 1940s. Um, the bottom line is players just got smarter and more educated about it and how to use it more than, and advantageously. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, he, he still went out there. He performed. Uh, he got challenged by players that were probably using that we didn't know. Uh, and he hit, he, he did. But, but the most amazing thing, Mike, to me was, here's a guy that I believe after 61 home runs, probably saw one pitch at night. Yeah, nobody, wanted, no, nobody wanted to pitch to him. Nobody wanted to pitch to him. Nobody it's wanted it. to pitch to him. But here's the thing. That one pitch, not only did he hit it, but he hit it for a home run. For him to end up breaking that record, I look at the challenge from 61 to 70, whatever it was, 73, whatever it was, that that was more of a challenge, and he was able to do it. That, as a player, as someone who's played this game, I couldn't even have done that in batting practice, much less a game. He, he was just – we used to kid Barry Bonds. And, I, again, I was a catcher. I was the one that had to call pitches against the guy. I used to joke with him when he came out to bat. i go, dude. What year are you playing Nintendo today? Because he was just a step above everybody else. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we we just got a, we just got a minute left. I, I I guess I just for me as a fan, I just like an answer. Kind of like you, you can't keep Clemens out, Bonds out, and these guys out. Let, let, let you can't keep Schilling out. But, Listen, Schilling of all people. Let, let, but let's get an answer. If you use the, use the drug, I'd rather get, like Andy Pettit just says, I used it. And, and let's just move on. Because Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame, and he was the commissioner over this too. Like, like he had his hands over his eyes. You know, I mean, how could you not know these guys were on steroids? It's, it's just a, to me, it's just a convoluted thing. I love the game, and I love the records in baseball, and, and I just want some kind of clear answer. Uh, Jim Larich, thank you so much for joining us here on Sports Grid Radio. Mike Demerge is filling in for Mike Carver. Uh, Jim Larich, a former Yankee hero uh, back in 95, 96, belted some huge home runs, none bigger than Game 4 of the World Series to lead the Yankees back. More coming up on Sports Grid Radio. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thank you.